Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. Colin, we've been listening to you reading from the truth. This is a new translation of the New Testament. You've been working on this all by yourself for the past two years with a, a, a deep sense of urgency that uh, God wanted you to finish it quickly. Can I ask you why this sense of urgency? You mentioned that it's time for the church to return to the word. Well, when God tells you to do something, you don't delay, actually. You get on and do it. And um, I looked at my diary with all my other commitments, you know, and, and you think, well, when is this going to be possible? So don't tell anybody, but I actually started it on my holiday. <laughs> uh, usually my wife sleeps in a bit when we're on holidays, so I had a couple of hours in the morning, in the early morning, when when I began work on this. And um, then I did have holiday for the rest of the day. Um, but... Um, I, I think that was perhaps significant, that I wasn't doing this just out of slavish obedience to the Lord, but once he'd put it in my heart to do it, then I wanted to do it. Something compelled you? Yes. I, it, it wasn't, it wasn't um, a chore. The Lord went, gave me so many encouragements, so many prophetic words uh, about how he was going to use this and, and um, what good it would do in people's lives. Um, that 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 sort of helps to keep the momentum going, but actually, once I started doing it, it it was so wonderful to actually get even more deeply into the word than than uh, I, I have to normally, because obviously you have to do that when you're translating. So, what are your hopes and expectations for the truth? That it will enable people to live the word because they understand the word better. That really is, I believe, God's motive in the whole thing. Um, I think like any translation, you know, there were some who will like it and there will be some who won't like it because there are already many versions available and people choose the one that they find most appropriate for them. But I, I trust that... Um, People won't sort of compare this with other translations and say, well, I like this, I don't like that, and that, that. but that they will use it in the way that, that it's intended to be used to draw out the meaning of the text. And then I don't mind what version they use so long as they then put the word into operation in their lives. Now, that requires two things. First of all, faith. And I believe, uh, and people that have been using this Bible for some months actually now, um, they tell me that it really inspires faith. It builds faith in you. And I think that is because, not that I've changed it, but because people are actually understanding what they're reading. And uh, it's very difficult to have faith in what you don't understand. But then secondly, of course, you also have to apply the word in action. And those two things go together, the faith and the action, the the actions that come out of your faith. And, uh, of course, there's a, a lovely word, um, obedience. And obedience, you see, is the product, according to Scripture, of faith on the one hand, 
and loving action on the other. So we obey the Lord by believing and we obey the Lord by walking in love, acting in love, fulfilling his commandments in love. Now you say that uh, this was an act of obedience to do this translation. Uh, you've done the New Testament. What about the Old? Oh, uh, so many people are asking me that. Um, uh, part of me would groan inwardly because, I mean, um, the Old Testament is about three times as long as the New Testament, and I know what it has taken to to do to fulfill this this task. Um, I would do it willingly if God tells me to do it. Do you believe he is? Not at this moment. Now, what um, he may say in the future, I, it's not for me to say. But at this moment, I'm working on the annotated version. What is, has just been published is, is simply the text. Uh, the annotated version will have added notes and, and study guides. It won't be a study Bible, but it will help people to find their way through the scriptures um, I, I, much more readily. So that's what I feel the next task is. What God asks me to do after that, we shall wait and see. Meanwhile, we'll return to Romans. Yes, and I'm going to continue the reading. Um, yesterday, we, we were midway through Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to pick it up um, where, just before, actually, um, the, the point at which we stopped yesterday so that we get the continuity in the middle of verse 24. You cannot see now that for which you hope, because hope refers to what lies in the future. If we could experience what we hope for, that would not be true hope. How can anyone say he already has what he hopes for? No, we have to wait patiently for what God has promised us in the future. Similarly, we depend on the help the Holy Spirit gives us because of our weakness. We are so weak in ourselves that we do not even know how to pray. Yet the Holy Spirit himself prays in us and for us, sometimes with such intensity that we find ourselves groaning, no words can express the depth of what he is working in us. God searches our hearts and he certainly knows what he causes his spirit to pray for us as his saints, the people he has set apart for himself. His spirit will always pray in and through us according to God's will. We can be sure then that in everything God is working for the welfare of those who love him, those he has called according to his purpose. He knew who would be his, because he decided before he created us that he would have a people who would be like his son, those who would live as his brothers and sisters. This is why he called you as part of his eternal purpose. This is why, having called you, he made you totally acceptable to him. This is why you are destined for the glory that is already yours in Christ. How can we respond to such wonderful truths? 
If we are part of God's divine will, how can any opposition prevent his purposes for us? So intent is he on seeing his plans fulfilled, he did not protect his son from the necessary cost of giving his life for us all, because through his grace he wanted to give us everything that belongs to Christ. Yes, what he has, we are to have. He died, was raised back to life, and is now seated in glory at God's right hand, all for our benefit. His blood liberates us, His Spirit enables us, and speaks on our behalf. So who could ever separate us from God's love for us, a love He has so clearly demonstrated already? Do you really think God has forgotten all about you because you experience trouble or find the going tough or because you have to suffer persecution of some kind? Do you really think God has stopped loving and caring for you because there is famine or you are in great need or you are in danger even of losing your life? It was written, It was for your sake that we face death and are as sheep that are being led away to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than victorious through him, for he has already won the victory for us and demonstrated such love for us. I am totally convinced that death cannot separate us from him or his love. Neither can anything that could ever happen to us in this life. No angels can stand in the way of God's personal love for us, nor can any demons prevent that love. Nothing in the present, nor anything that could happen in the future, would be able to destroy God's love for us. There is no spiritual power, nor any created power, that will ever be able to separate us from God's love for us that has already been so clearly expressed in Christ Jesus our Lord. My only desire is to speak the truth in Christ. I do not want to lie or exaggerate. My conscience is clear about this, and the Holy Spirit who works in and through me bears witness to this. He knows how heavy my heart is, and he understands the great sorrow and anxiety I feel about my fellow Jews. There are times when I feel that I would be prepared to be cursed and separated from Christ if only this would cause people of my own race, the people of Israel, to turn to him. Because they are his chosen people, they are the very ones who should know the wonder of being adopted as his sons. They should be able to experience God's glory. They should be part of the new covenant and the new relationship with God as they were his people under the old covenant. They received the law, so God longs for them to accept his grace. He gave them the temple as a place of worship, but they rejected Jesus Christ when he came as God's living temple. God gave them wonderful promises, but they are only fulfilled by faith in Christ, a faith they do not have. The Lord is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their forefathers. And when Jesus came as a man, he came as a Jew. All this was for the purpose of God, who is to be praised forever. Amen. This shall be so. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 